set aside, as we will, the next three Sundays to call our attention to the true meaning of Christmas. And, you know, it's so easy to get distracted with all the other things of Christmas, and oftentimes that can weigh us down to where we think, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and what else do we have to do? And, and then we wonder, where is the joy of Christmas? But the reality is, when, when we come back and see the message that Christ gave to us at Christmas, um, there really is great joy in, in realizing that. The, the song that we've just sung, um, it's interesting to me, it's kind of a dreary song that it starts Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, they're longing. Come, Emmanuel, and ransom us. We are mourning here in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And then it says, Rejoice! Rejoice! God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And um, the next three Sundays... Next two after this, uh, we are going to be looking to try to see the big picture that gives us reason to celebrate Christmas. We really ought to be the most celebratory of any people at this time when we realize the great, great gift that has been given to us. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. You know, one of the things we can become so familiar with the, the Christmas account that the minute you start in and say, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise that we just kind of, okay, check out. And we don't consciously do that. We just unconsciously do that. So I, I really challenge you um, this year to say, God, help me to see in a fresh manner um, your love, your message for us in sending your Son. Follow along. I'll begin reading Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Long ago there lived a ruler in Persia, a wise and good king. He really cared for his people, he loved his people, and he wanted to know how they lived. He wanted to know about their hardships, he wanted to know their daily experiences, and often he dressed in the clothes of a working man or a beggar and went to the homes of the poor. No one whom he visited ever knew that he was the ruler. One time he visited a very poor man who lived in a dark, dingy cellar. He went and ate the coarse food, the meager food of the poor man, ate with him, spoke cheerful, kind words to him, and then he left. Later he visited the poor man again and disclosed his identity, saying, I am your king. The king thought the man would surely ask for a gift or a favor, but he didn't. Instead, he said, You left your palace and your glory to visit me in this dark, dreary place. You ate my meager, plain food. You brought gladness to my heart. To others, you have given your rich gifts. To me, you have given yourself. Do you understand that is just a small, imperfect analogy of what God did in sending His Son. Christmas, or the coming of Christ, forever changed man's relationship with God. God has always been separate from sin. As a result of that, from the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, um, Mankind has always been separated from God. Whenever God visited mankind throughout the Old Testament, it was an overwhelming, powerful, awe-inspiring visit, but it was limited in time and in place. To Israel, God was accessible only through the tabernacle and the temple. Um and very limited there. So when God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, Galatians tells us, in the fullness of time, at the perfect time that God had foreordained and planned, when God sent His Son to be with us, to 
take upon the form of a man. We celebrate that. And what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph, we, we find it easy to read over it, but in quoting Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Behold, Joseph, a virgin will conceive and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph heard that, he understood, you shall call his name God is with us. He's not some distant memory. He's not limited to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle or the temple. This is now, you mean God with us. This isn't just His gifts and His mercies. It is His very presence with us. This Emmanuel is not so much a name, because you don't really find throughout Christ's earthly ministry of him of anyone calling him by the name Emmanuel. But it is a name, but it's a name to describe his nature and his office. It's a name to help us understand what took place here and why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want us to see this morning some of the ramifications of that. That this season, as you go through the days, I trust that some of this will come back. Hey, what I'm celebrating is not tinsel and not trees and and not carols. I'm celebrating all of this is because God is with me. And in understanding the reality of that, first and foremost, it tells us that Jesus Christ is God. He isn't just a man. In the passage that we read, um, She shall be found with child of the Holy Ghost, in verse 18. Verse 20, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then when it says Emmanuel, it is God. The Father of Jesus Christ is God, and we don't have time to go into the Trinity today, But Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Our minds can't comprehend it. He was all of God, and He was all of human being. It is Emmanuel, God, in this life. God, on the ground. God, here with us. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And, and throughout Scripture we find many, many references to this. But it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Don't let anyone get you to think that Jesus Christ was just another man. It was God manifest in the flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's called the incarnation, um, meaning God in the flesh. God in the flesh. The incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ is the central theme of Christianity. All of our beliefs um, rest and depend upon this. The whole essence of Christianity is predicated on the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh. And this is made very clear right at the birth of Jesus Christ. It's divine condensation. What do I mean by this? It's, it's the putting together the merger of a divine being and a human nature, meaning the divine side, the God side, willfully chooses to limit itself and take upon certain limitations to be in the body of flesh and blood. But He is God. God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is God. Visited. Think of it. Mankind, this earth, visited by the Supreme One. Visited by the Creator. Visited by the Authority. I don't know who the most famous person you have ever met in your life. But usually when people meet famous people, they, they are willing to tell others, and especially if they can get their autograph, look at, I have their autograph. That is proof that I was in their presence or I paid a lot of money to purchase this autograph. You can get them one way or another, all right? This is not some great person. This is not some famous performer, not some great athlete, not some president or king. This is the very one who spoke and the worlds came into existence. He is the one that keeps everything in operation, that the sun rises at the exact perfect time. Aren't you glad God doesn't have the sun work like a lot of us? Some days, bing, it might be up at 4 a.m. Surprise! Some days it might say, oh, 9.30, I'm going to rise today. Or some days, here it comes rushing in. Sorry, I'm late! Who keeps that? It's just a miracle, isn't it? That it just evolved and happened that within one-tenth of one second, we can tell... When the sun is going to rise, how does that happen? Amazing that it just, a big bang created all this. You have to have more faith to believe that than to believe that God is the Creator. And it's this Creator, not a king that came down to eat with his peasants. This is the Creator. Yes, indeed, the King. But He came to this earth. It is God. 
But it tells us some other things. Sometimes we get going through life and we're bearing burdens and facing difficulties and battling temptations. And we're tempted to think, yeah, I know Jesus Christ was in the flesh, but He doesn't really know what I'm going through. God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, means that Christ knows what it is like to be a human being. He is a merciful... Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. There is nothing that you have experienced or ever will experience. I don't mean the exact specific details, but I mean how it affects your heart and your life that Christ hasn't already experienced it to the utmost. You may have experienced rejection. There's no one that's experienced it more than Christ. You may have experienced loneliness. There's no one that has experienced it more than Christ. You may have experienced discipline. Whatever it is. Look, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 16. For verily He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. He took on Him human flesh. Wherefore, because He became a man... In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to intercede to plead our case with them that are tempted. Because he has been tempted... In all points like as we. Look at chapter Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You understand? Christ became a man. And He was tempted in all points like as we are. He was tempted in every area because He was all of man. But He was without sin. He knows beyond what you can imagine anything that you will go through in life and how it affects your heart. Christ knows. And He is touched. He is moved. He is moved to compassion when He sees His children. He sees His creation bearing a burden. He doesn't just know academically or mentally. He knows personally. 
Emmanuel, God with us. It means Jesus Christ is God. It means Christ knows what it is like in a personal manner to be human. And it means, thirdly, that forgiveness is available. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And notice if you'd look in verse 21. Here's another way of saying Emmanuel, God with us. And it gives a little commentary. <clears throat> you may want to make notes in your Bible to the pronouns that are used here. For He, God, that's God, hath made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. So we can read it. For God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus Christ did not know sin. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. God, in all His righteousness, came to this earth in the flesh, Jesus Christ, was tempted in all points like as we are, but He didn't sin. So He was able to go as the perfect sacrifice, and He was made sin for us that we could have His righteousness. And because of that, the payment for our sin was paid by the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, For we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> you look around and nature shows us that God is above us and beyond us. I mean, He calls every star by name, and we, we just begin to scratch the surface of all God's creation. God is above us. If you look to the law, you could come to the conclusion, just looking at the law, that God is against us. This is the law. If you just took the Ten Commandments, and we're not going to take the time, but we can't keep the Ten Commandments. And it's like God says, look at you're guilty here and guilty here and guilty here. And it would look as though God were against us as the prosecuting attorney. But when you see the incarnation, you see the gospel, the good news... God shows us that He is with us and He is for us. And He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Because Emmanuel, God, is with us. And once we have come to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, we now become the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. And do you understand what that means? That means you will never be alone again. To know that God came not only into the world, but He is willing to dwell within me when I receive the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. He lives within me. And He promises that I'll never be alone again. The psalmist said, I will fear no evil. Why? Emmanuel, for Thou art with me. And the indwelling of the Spirit of God is God dwelling within us. Because Christ came, God in the flesh, and He offers to us the forgiveness of sins, and He went back to heaven to intercede on our behalf, and He says, whoever receives the gift of Jesus Christ... I give to them the Spirit of God, and God personally dwells within us, and we will never ever be alone. He ends His commission to the disciples before He ascended to heaven. He said, I want you to go and be witnesses to Me, and begin here in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and the rest of the world. And then He said this, and... Lo, I am with you always. Do you understand? No one else can promise to always be with you. As much as you may love your mate, as much as I love Marilyn, I can't promise to be with her always. My body may become too damaged, too diseased, too old, too worn out, and I'm going to die. But Emmanuel, God is with me always. And He will be with us always. And so, in Isaiah, He said, Fear thou not. For I am with thee. What conquers fear? Knowing God is with me. I don't know how many of you had older brothers, but when you have older brothers and you're walking with your older brothers, it's almost like you're invincible, you know? It's like brothers will take care of them, you know? We're walking with God. He says, fear not. Don't fear what's going on in this world. I am with you, he says. Emmanuel, God's with us. God never intended us to handle life alone. He intended us to live life with Him. And His presence not only should encourage us, and not only... um, bring light to darkness and hope in the midst of hopeless situations. But His presence also has another effect. It should have another effect on us. His presence should cause us to depart from evil. Wait a minute. God is with me. I shouldn't be thinking this thought. Wait a minute. 
I mean, think of it. If, if the reality was, if tomorrow morning, when you got in your vehicle to go to work, you looked over and you heard a voice and it says, Hey, I'm Jesus Christ. And you looked and there he was, in person. And he says, I'm, I'm just going to go with you today. I'm with you, okay? What would it change? Why are you thinking that thought? Why are you mad at that guy that pulled out in front of you? Why are you listening to that? Why are you looking at that? Why are you... Or would he be saying, good job. Way to go. I'm proud of you. Think of it. He is with us. The reality is he's walking with us. He knows every thought. He knows every motive, every intent. I am never alone. But it also means, because God is with me, help is always available. Literally, Emmanuel means the strong God is with us. I love that part. The strong God is with us. So that we can say, and you read through the Psalms, Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength, therefore I will not fear. Because He is a very present help in time of need. Not far off, He is a very present help. Turn back to Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, and notice verse 5. Let your behavior, your life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what he's saying right there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Notice the next verse. Because of that, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Notice the confidence. Because God is Emmanuel with us, what we're celebrating here, God came into our world. God is with us. I can boldly say, Hey, God is my helper. I don't need to fear what man can do unto me. Who's on your team? God. Enough said, right? That it? That's it? There is always help available so that I can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. So that I can boldly go in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What we're celebrating here is we don't have to go to church to find God. We don't have to go and have a priest go into the temple once a year and and find God. We walk with God. We talk with God. And it is God in the flesh 
that is in my life and my body is a temple of God and I have direct access to Him as a child of God. It is God with me, whether you're out in the pasture or on the mountainside or in the place of business. It doesn't matter where you are. Emmanuel, the strong God, the only God is with me. He said, therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The key is we need to make his presence personal in our lives. And that begins by receiving the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. If you've never personally received the gift, if you've never taken the gift and opened it up and made it personal, if you please, and said, Lord, I need your forgiveness for my sin, then you're not able to claim that the Spirit of God dwells within you and you're not able to say that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you don't have direct access to God because we only come to the Father through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So it first of all begins with receiving the gift of Christmas. But then, after we've received Him, we need to live in His presence. We need to meet with Him and talk to Him and depend on Him and walk with Him. It's a relationship. It's God with us. And we need to rejoice in His presence. Thank you, God. How many of you saw the moon coming up last night? Any of you see that? You know it's saying, thank you, God, for letting me see that. God, thank you for the opportunity to eat this meal. God, thank you for the opportunity to go to work. It's, it's walking in His presence. It's rejoicing in His presence. Emmanuel, why do you think the angel said, Behold, we're bringing you great news of great joy because they'd never seen anything like You mean God is going down there? Woo-wee, they said. This is good news. This is great joy. Those people will never, ever be the same again. That's what we're celebrating. This is what we ought to be dwelling on and thinking on. God with me? Whoo! Celebrate the fact. Emmanuel. Rejoice! Life has never, ever been the same since Jesus Christ came. Heavenly Father, we can never thank You enough for the fact of You with us. Lord, I pray... If there are any here today who have never personally called upon You for the forgiveness of their sins, 
I pray today they would make personal and receive the gift of Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for everyone who has trusted you for the forgiveness of sin. I pray that we would realize this gift and the fellowship that you have called us to. And, Lord, that we would walk in your presence, that we would live in your presence, that we would meet with you and depend on you and talk to you and that we would praise you. Lord, there's no greater story, no greater love that we can ever imagine than You sending Your Son to take upon the form of a man. I pray that our hearts would be filled with Emmanuel. And as we sung earlier, rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel has come. Lord, may our joy be full in You today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's